Well, I am so pleased to see each one of you here today. Now, we're going to have a slightly different service than usual. We're having a bit more worship, and we're breaking up this teaching into a couple a couple of sections. And so this morning, I'll just teach for a couple minutes, and then we'll go right back into worship. Um, and so as many, as Pastor Jeff uh, mentioned, as many of you know, we are ending and completing our 21 days of prayer and fasting today together. And so it's been a great journey just for myself. I know God has done some really wonderful things, and I know some of you have been telling me what God has been doing. And so it's really wonderful how God meets us in those times, eh? when we set aside time and we're intentional and we choose to do something, sometimes even uncomfortable, to, to give him more room in our lives. And so, you know, I encourage you to incorporate fasting into your spiritual life on an ongoing basis. You know, I encourage you to make a point of doing this regularly. And it's not about just setting, you know, when we did this, we were, we were talking about how we're setting God as our first at the beginning of the year. But this is something we get to do on a regular basis, realign ourselves with God. And, you know, we can even do it for a specific purpose or a person, a big decision. It's not just about this realignment. It's also about sometimes just making a bit more space in our lives for him to speak into an area. Um, and so I encourage you to look at times or look for times to include this in your life. We're going to talk about personal prayer today. We've been going through the month, and I really thank you, Jeff, for how you've walked us through very practically different ways of praying. praying. And uh, I hope you've been putting into practice some of these things. And if you missed it, I encourage you to go online and check out the podcasts. There's some really practical ways to learn, lean into prayer. And a lot of people find prayer a little bit elusive. How do I do this? How do I do this effectively? What does this look like? And so there's some practical ways to live that out. But remember that prayer takes practice. So even as you step into these things, don't feel like, you know, if I didn't pray this perfect prayer or see some big result, that it's not that you're doing it wrong. It's that, you know, feeling comfortable prayer and leaning into prayer takes practice. It takes, it takes time and, and energy and effort. But it is not about performance. God's not looking for a performance. He's just looking us to lean in. Just like when you're in a new relationship with somebody and you're learning how to communicate. Uh, I don't know if any of you, well, some of you are obviously married or have been in a relationship for a long time. Did you ever find that communication was one of the hardest parts? I remember the word that was a huge chip up for us when we were first married, Jeff and I, was sure. I know, it's a really simple word. But he would, I would be like, you know, do you want to do some? Do you want to do this? Do you want that? He'd be like, sure. And to me, sure had like a flippancy to it, it or it was sarcastic. It was used in a way that, you know, it was almost negative. And for him, it meant, yes, for sure, you know. And so for a while, this was like kind of a block. You know, we'd be communicating, and he'd say, sure, and I'd take it personally, and I'd be all upset. He's like, all I said was sure. And, you know, and so communication takes practice in any relationship. It takes getting to know one another and figuring out what do you mean by that. And it's the same with God. Prayer is communication with God. It's listening and speaking with him. And it takes practice. It takes learning. It takes leaning into it, getting to know him. And what does he mean by what he's saying? What does he mean by what he says in the Bible? Well, that, that can be 
come through prayer. So anyways, I encourage you, it takes practice, but it is not about performance. It's not about having all the perfect words and thee and thou and saying it all right. It's about practicing getting to know communication with God. And prayer is something that we do, but it will change us. It's about who we're becoming. You know, it will promote us to depend on God, like Jeff was saying, building that foundation underneath us. Personal prayer causes us to look up rather than ourselves or the situations around us. It allows room for God to speak into situations, gives us insight, inspires us, and it fills us with our heart, with his heart. You know, when we lean into something in prayer, it, it changes our perspective. And so we need to be leaning in in prayer. Prayer and purpose, they're completely interwoven. They're completely interwoven together. How can you get to know God or get to know your purpose without knowing the one who is giving it to you, who is leading you, who is leading your purpose? If you don't know him, it's going to be hard to know where he's taking you. Without personal prayer, without taking that time personally to lean in and talk to him about the people around you, the situations around you, you're going to lack direction. You're going to lack the proper motivation for the things that you do. And you're going to lack the power to live out the things you know he's asking from you. And so living in this place of prayer empowers us to do what we need to do to help people see God. It gives us what we need. The Apostle Paul in the New Testament, he was somebody who practiced this personal prayer ongoing. He talked about being constantly in prayer. And there's some three scriptures I want to share, share with you from three different letters that he wrote to three different groups of people. And he says this, okay? 1 Thessalonians 5, 17 to 18 says this, never stop praying. Be thankful in all circumstances for this is God's will for you who belong to Christ Jesus. And then in Ephesians, to the Ephesians, he says this, so be careful how you live. Do not be like fools. But like those who are wise, make the most of every opportunity in these evil days. Do not act thoughtlessly, but understand what the Lord wants you to do. Do not be drunk with wine because it will ruin your life. Instead, be filled with the Holy Spirit, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs amongst yourselves, and making music to the Lord within your hearts. And give thanks for everything to God the Father in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. In other words, live in prayer. Live in communication with God. To the Philippians, in, in Philippians 4, 6 to 7, he says this, Do not worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need and thank him for all he has done. And then you will experience God's peace. Isn't this what we're looking for all the time? Peace. Which exceeds anything you can understand. His peace will guard your hearts and minds as you live in Christ Jesus. Everything he said you can have, it's there for us if we will live in this place of prayer. That peace, it's there for you if you live in that place of prayer. So Paul, this guy who wrote all these things to these different groups of people who lives in this place of prayer, one day he was speaking to a group of men in Athens whom he saw were religious. They, they practiced religions. There was idols all over that they, that they worshipped, but not followers of Jesus. And so from this place of prayerful dependency that Paul lived in, he says something very insightful, sharing the gospel with them, inspired by the Holy Spirit. He says this, 
The God who made the world and everything in it, being Lord of heaven and earth, does not live in temples made by man, nor is he served by human hands, as though he needs anything, since he himself gives to all mankind life and breath and everything. He made from one man every nation of mankind to live on all the face of the earth, having determined allotted periods and the boundaries of their dwelling places, that they should seek God and perhaps feel their way toward him and find him. Yet he is actually not far from each one of us, for in him we live and move and have our being, even as some of your own poets have said, for we are indeed his offspring. And that's in Acts 17, 24 to 28. And in there, he's, Paul says, he had, having determined allotted periods and the boundaries of their dwelling place, that they should seek God and perhaps feel their way toward him. He decided when and where each person is going to live. In our prayer first book, and if you haven't grabbed it off of online, go online, go to our prayer, 21 Days of Prayer uh, web, like page on the website, and there's a little booklet you can download. And if you need me to print it, I will. It's a great tool for prayer. And in there, the gentleman who wrote it, Chris, Chris Hodges, he says this, God has put us on earth at this specific time for a reason. He says in Acts 17, 26, that he determined when and where we should live. Knowing this, we can look at those around us at this specific time in history and take personal responsibility to pray. So when I talk about leaning in in prayer, many of us have people around us, family members, co-workers, and I know even if you've been living in this city for a long time, a lot of people around you that you know, that you have history with, it's no accident that you live here and now. In this time with these people, no matter what the history is there, it's not an accident. And this can be a hiccup for us sometimes, having lots of people around us who know us, having family with tensions and struggles. These things can actually hold us back and we can say, why God? You know, why did this happen to me? Or why am I with these people? Or, you know, get caught up in these things. But God says, it's no accident you're here at this time with these people. Instead of shaking our fists and thinking why or getting caught up in, in all the things going around, start seeking purpose. Instead of saying, why God? Say, why God? Why am I here? What is the purpose in this relationship? But this is a challenge. This is a challenge. Living in 2023 can sometimes feel overwhelming, can't it? It's an overwhelming time. But take comfort in this biblical truth. God created you on purpose, for a purpose, at this specific point in human history. Where you live right now, who you're in relationship, how the Holy Spirit has determined that you are to work along with the rest of the people in the body of Christ. This matters. This matters. So Paul says we are to live in these spaces, in prayer, dependent on God, allowing him to lead us. So we're going to jump back into worship now, and in a few minutes we're going to talk about sort of the, the connection and the problem in this space. So let's lean into worship. We're going to continue through talking about personal prayer. And I said that there's a connection and there's a problem with personal prayer to do with 
us humans. You know, the place, the connection is the place that we're to do the heavy lifting about our influence in life, these places that we live, these places that the people that we have around us, this intentionality that God's placed us here. The place we're to do the heavy lifting about our influence in this space is in our prayer practice. It's in that prayer space, that, that constant prayer that Paul talks about, that thanksgiving, that turning our eyes to Christ. The problem is, is that most Christians don't have a personal prayer practice, or not at least a a regular one, while practice means regular, means we're leaning into it. So for most of us, we're going through life, we're just kind of like actually what Jeff was sharing about wandering around on that, on that boat launch. We're just, his dad's off doing things. He wasn't paying any attention to what his dad was doing. He wasn't there saying, hey, dad, like, what are you doing? He was just wandering around like da 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 and then boop. Off it goes, off the end. And that's kind of how I think a lot of us do life. We kind of wander around, and we're not really paying attention at all to what God is doing, or we're kind of checking in now and then. But a lot of times, we're wandering around just waiting for him to do something, to show up. But we're not there paying attention to what he's doing. We're not there in prayer saying, God, what are you doing in this relationship? What are you doing in this city? Why, why do I have an urgency about this? Why am I annoyed at this person? Why can't I forgive this person? Why do I feel like you're asking me to forgive this person and I don't want to? How do I do that? Why do I have to forgive? This is prayer. This is communication. This is the wrestle. This is the wrestle we're to be in with God as he calls us to this place, this here and now, that sometimes we look around and we go, why? Why am I here why these people? Why did I grow up like this? When he calls you here, he will equip you and he will give you everything you need. When he asks you to forgive, he'll help you. When he says, walk away from that grave, last week I shared a picture of, of this person standing in a garden and there was a grave dug out and that was their grave that God had called them out of through salvation. But they stayed there with one foot in the grave their foot wasn't buried. Their foot was loose. They could have just walked away, but they didn't because they were so tied to the past, so tied to the circumstances, so tied to the, oh, why? Like, oh, this is keeping me back. They couldn't see that there's this enormous space of life that God had given them to walk in. They refused to walk away from that. And so they stayed stuck in one spot. And often in our lives with God, we stay stuck in one spot because we get so consumed with the struggle. But God says, come and wrestle it out with me in prayer. And I'll give you the answers. And you just have to walk it out in obedience. And I've seen it in my own life. When I choose to wrestle something out in prayer, ask him the hard questions, listen when I don't want to listen, and then walk out, even if it's a little step. It could be go for a walk today. It could be call your brother. When I choose to walk those steps out in obedience, I see results. I see freedom in my life. But do you know why I often don't want to? It's trust. I don't trust him. I don't want to do what he says because I don't know that the end result will be what I think he's 
offering me. And all these songs we're singing today is about trust. Have you noticed that? We're talking about personal prayer and leaning in and wrestling with God. And then he's calling us to trust. And we're declaring we're trusting, but are we? Or are these just words we're saying? Are we willing to choose to trust that when he says he's going to do something, he'll do it? When he says there's life along this path, he's going to give us life. When he says leave that grave, he says walk away. You don't have to keep your foot there anymore. Look around. Look up and let me, let me lead you that. He's giving us a garden full of fruit and life. And we can leave the known and walk into the unknown and it's okay. And that Paul guy that I was talking about, Paul, he, he left a life he knew on a day. He met Jesus, and Jesus said, why are you persecuting me? He was, he was tormenting Christians because he thought they were doing the wrong thing, and he encountered Jesus, and Jesus said, why are you persecuting me? And when he encountered Jesus, he realized he needed him and then he needed to turn around, and he did that. He did that. He chose. He said, okay, I see. But, you know, at the same time as he was talking to God, somebody else was talking to God, and God interrupted and said, hey, hey, I have something for you to do. And this guy was Ananias. Ananias knew of Paul. Actually, he was Saul at the time, and God was calling him to go minister to him. And he was like, uh, do you know what you're saying? Do you know who this guy is? Do you know I'm taking my life in my hands going there? So this is what it says in Acts 9, 10 to 12. It says, Now there was a disciple in Damascus named Ananias. And the Lord said to him in a vision, Ananias. And he said, Here I am, Lord. And the Lord said to him, Rise and go to the street called Straight. And at the house of Judas look for a man of Tarsus named Saul. For behold, he is praying. And he has seen a vision, a man named um, a vision, a man named Ananias come in and lay his hands on him, so that he might regain his sight. So when Saul encountered Jesus, he went blind. So he went away and he was praying, like God, please, you know, I can't see. And God was talking to him about all the things he was calling him to, and he saw this vision. So Ananias then responded, "Here's the wrestle." He said, but Ananias answered, "Lord." I have heard from many about this man, how much evil he has done to your saints in Jerusalem. And here he has authority from the chief priests to bind all who call on your name, to put them in prison. But the Lord said to him, go, for he is a chosen instrument of mine to carry my name before the Gentiles and kings and the children of Israel, for I will show him how much he must suffer for my name's sake." Ananias wrestled in prayer. Do you think he wanted to go? But then he walks in obedience. He didn't, he didn't want to go see Saul. Are you kidding? He was like, I'm going to die or I'm going to go to jail. But then he knew he could trust God, and so he went and did it. And I want you to think about the relationships in your life or the things that that grave, that grave that God has rescued you out of, it could be a horrible upbringing. It could be personal struggles. It could be a job you hate. I don't know what it is. Addictions. It doesn't really matter what that is. And you could be saying, but God, do you know 
what you're asking of me? And he's like, yeah, I do. Will you trust me? I challenge you today. I know this message is for us. Will we walk in trust because that's where life is? You want life? You want freedom? You got to trust God. That's the only place. That's the only place we will find it. Is walking in step with the God who asks us to do hard things and forgive the unforgivable. To walk with people we don't want to walk with maybe at the time because we're like, oh, they've hurt me. To live places we don't want to live and do things we don't want to do. But wrestle it out in prayer. Don't be like Jeff who was like, <laughs> you know, trying to figure out and then plops down into the water. It's like, oh, no, I'm drowning. <laughs> okay, he's better now. <laughs> But seriously, that's what we do. We hear God call us, and then we're like, okay, I better just forgive. And then we keep our foot in that grave, staring at it, going, I got to forgive. I got to forgive. I'm going to forgive. I'm going to forgive. Instead of looking up and letting God lead us to what forgiveness looks like, we refuse to do it because we think we just got to muster up enough forgiveness. And that's not how it looks. It doesn't look like that. And I'm preaching to myself the same. If, if I want that forgiveness and that freedom from all that crap in the grave, I got to walk away from it, following the God who said, I bought you out of that. I bought you. You're free. I went there for you. Jesus went there for us, said it's done. So we can walk away. We can walk away. But it comes in daily prayer. You don't have a sweet clue on your own how to do it. I'm just telling you now. I don't have a sweet clue how to do it. It's when I sit with God in that regular practice and I bring those people to God, those people that hurt me, those people that bug me, or those people that need Jesus and I don't know how they're going to find it, those people that I have a passion for and I don't know how to live that out, or the city that I live in that I don't know how to reach, or the coworkers or the struggles I have, the only place to know how to do it is when you take time and you pray and you say, God, I don't know how to do this. Show me how. And you leave it with him. And then you listen. Because prayer isn't just you shooting a bunch of stuff at him. It's you saying, God, so-and-so needs you. And then waiting and listening. And when God prompts you, doing what he asks. And maybe what the prompt is, let it go, I got it. Maybe it's, don't bug them about it. Rest in me. Or maybe it is to say something and you're like, hmm. But either way, you walk in obedience. There's not a formula other than follow Christ. Listen to the Holy Spirit. Wow, I went way off my notes there, guys. So I just got <laughs> So I've given you a prayer card. Uh, you should have each gotten one of those blue and white cards. And in a few minutes, we're going to take a few minutes and write down and fill in those spaces. Who are we praying for in our personal prayer time? What areas? How can we pray for our government? 
there's spots where you can fill it in. I want you to keep that card with you. And I want you to start praying over these people. Not just like bumping around through life, hoping you make a difference. There's a purpose for every single one. It doesn't matter if you just met Jesus or if you've known him your whole life. There's purpose. There's purpose. Now, we're going to do something at the end after we've done this. We're going to anoint those who want it with oil. And I know this may be unfamiliar to some of you, but the whole purpose of this, it's kind of like water baptism. It's symbolism. It's, the oil is like a symbol of you being set apart. And the reason we're going to do this and give the opportunity for you to come forward and be prayed over in this way is because as I talk about the place and the people that are purposely in your life, we as Christ followers are called out of that grave to be ministers of reconciliation, ministers of the gospel. Not one of us is exempt from this. If we've said, I will follow you, Jesus, he says, then you get to go and be a witness of the things I've done. You get to go bring my reconciliation, bring my forgiveness, bring my health and my wholeness, bring my message of love to those around you. And so even though you may look around and say, oh, so-and-so has this ministry, and -and so-and-so is that kind of minister, and you might look on TV and say, that person is a minister of the gospel. Every single one of us who has said yes to Jesus is a minister of the gospel. And so the purpose of the anointing today would be to say, you are a minister. We are praying over you as someone set apart to go into the world and bring that reconciliation. But in that commissioning, in that, in that moment of saying, I will do this, I know I'm, I'm to do this, we're also committing to going to our leader and asking him to lead us. We're committing to praying and saying, God, how do I live this out daily with these people in this city at this time? How do I be this minister of the gospel to my kids, to my family, to my coworkers? Okay, so that oil, it's not magic. It's not like it's some special oil. It's just symbolic. It's a moment that you get to remember, and the symbolism helps you remember because oil was used at different times in the Bible too to set somebody apart, you know, kings or prophets or people who had a purpose that God has for them, they would use oil to say, this person is set apart. It's symbolic of the Holy Spirit working in and through you, setting you apart for the ministry of the gospel. So God alone, and in that, it's to remind you that God alone sustains you. This is a work of your gospel. It's the gospel of Jesus Christ. It's not a work of your reconciliation. It's the reconciliation of God with us. And so we are ministers of that. And the Holy Spirit is the one who empowers us. So we're going to do that in a few minutes. But first, we're going to take a moment. The worship team is going to sing a song. You can stay stay seated, and you're going to fill out those cards. Of course, you're not required to, but I would encourage you to fill out those cards with the people, the places, the things that you know God has put you right in the middle of to be a minister of the gospel. Mm -hmm.